Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. My name is Rachel Laurie Harris. I'm a professional dog trainer, and I'm also the proud owner of an American Staffordshire Terrier that we lovingly call Waylon. In this series, Pitbull Stories, I talk with pitbull owners all over the world, and we share our stories about pitbulls, how we got into pitbulls, how we love pitbulls, what we've learned from them, and how we're advocating for the breed now. I'm really looking Looking forward to sharing these stories. And if you'd like to be a part of this series, please follow us over on the Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. Send me a DM. I would love to chat and hear your pitbull story. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories. So I have a very special guest with me today. Um, so Michelle, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell the listeners about yourself, kind of the organization that you run, and then if you want to just kind of tell us how you got into this whole world of, of dogs, blocky-headed dogs. Sure. Um, so my name is Michelle. I am currently the director of Pitbull Care Boxer Rescue. Um, I've been volunteering with Hubble Care for since 2008. Um, I have just always loved pit bulls. Um, I got my first boxer in kind of a, a weird situation um, as a puppy, and I was um, at a bad place in my life, and she kind of saved me, which then is what brought me to the boxers. Um, but I've always just loved, you know, bully breeds, as I refer to them. Um, they're just always my favorite. Um, I currently have seven of my own dogs. Uh, <laughs> two are pit bulls, one's an American bulldog, and four are boxers. Um, and three of my boxers are deaf. Um, I love the deaf boxers. They're my favorite. <laughs> um, but yeah, just as long as since I was young, and so I don't remember, you know, um, but in school I always would write papers about pit bulls and advocate for them and so I it's it's hard to place when I think I've just always liked them yeah right oh my god that's beautiful and Michelle I love that you're joining me because I feel like boxers are not immune to like the some of the misconceptions and myths surrounding like the blocky headed dogs I feel like they just kind of get lumped into that category as it is right yeah so how do you feel about the label pit bull for like dogs who are not really American pit bull terriers? Like, where do you stand on that? I know there's a lot of feelings on this issue. Um, you know, I don't really mind it. Um, I guess, you know, sometimes I think it's just easier, especially in dog rescue. Um, you, you know, we don't know where, what the mix is of a lot of these dogs. So sometimes it's just easier. Um, however, then I also know a lot of dogs just get labeled, um, pit, pit mix. And so sometimes when we get dogs into the rescue and people say, well, what is this? You know, do you know? And I'm like, well, I think to the uneducated person, I'm not trying to be mean there, but they would say, oh, that's a pit, mi- pit bull, pit mix. Um, when maybe it's not, you know, cause it's just kind of a brindle nondescript dog. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of go both ways with that, I guess, but I think, you know, I tend to use it a lot. I mean, my two, um, I call them both pit bulls. Um, I think technically one's the American Staffordshire Terrier. The other guy, I'm not sure, but. 
Yeah. And that's, and you know, and that's kind of how I feel about it too. Right. Like, obviously I don't want the label to like negatively impact like a dog's life or like their chances of getting adopted. But I mean, I'm perfectly comfortable. Like Waylon is a purebred American Staffshire Terrier, but I'm perfectly comfortable calling him a pit bull. Right. And like, I think I've had this conversation with some, some other blocky headed people too. Right. And like, I really try and use the label Pitbull in like a really positive light and maybe I'll like retract it when maybe it's not as positive of a light just because I, I desperately want people to like, I want there to be more positive PR for like the Pitbull headline. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. So um, what, what do you feel like it attracted you to like your first Pitbull and then later to boxers? Like, I mean, boxers are just the best because they're so jovial and happy, but like for you personally, like what was so attractive about the breed? Um, again, it's just because it's been so long. I don't remember. I think, I just think they're beautiful, beautiful dogs. Um, when me and my sister were young and moved out from my, our parents' house, um, into our first home, um, we, got a pit bull we had well we had my first boxer right about that time and then our first pit bull and uh I yeah I've just I mean I've always been a dog a dog lover when I was younger and always brought stray dogs home but um so really all dogs but I just there's just always something about pit bulls I like Well, and like for me, I feel like it's like their muscular stature, right? Like to me, that's like a definition of a dog. They're like an athlete, they're happy, they're friendly, but they're muscular. Like, I think that that's what's so attractive about the breed to a lot of people, right? Is like, they are athletes and they are just like powerhouses of muscle. Right, (laughs) right. Right. And boxers too. Oh my God. They totally fallen within that category too. Yes, they okay. Do. So um, I want to just, I want to talk about like some, some myths, like some pitbull myths that like, maybe you feel like you've unlearned over the years or you feel like particularly need more attention. Right. I know when, um, I mean, I feel like a lot of the myths I've always said that, you know, those aren't true. Those aren't true. But I do, you know, it is hard when you have all these people in your ear all the time about these dogs. I do remember when me and my sister had our first pit bull snoop. I, I remember at one point looking at him and thinking, is this true? Could you one day just decide you don't like me and I'm going to end up, you know, you're going to end up biting me or, you know, but, and then I thought to myself, no, that's, that's silly. And, um, I remember when we moved um, to, to a house in Arvada and some lady was walking by and she says, oh, what, you know, you guys just moved here and she introduced herself and she said, what kind of dogs do you have? And I said, a boxer, a pit bull. And then we had another mixed breed and she goes, oh no, don't ever tell anyone you have a pit bull. And I said, well, you know, I didn't get him for you. I got him for me. So, and yeah. Yeah. Like, so how do you feel like, how do you feel like your community like perceives you now? I mean, I, do you take all seven dogs out at the same time? Uh, no. Okay. No. I was like, oh my God, people must like be like, get out of the way. She's got all these dogs. <laughs> um, so not, so not all my dogs get along. I live a, a life of separated dogs. Um, and, um, I live kind of out in the country. Um, so I avoid people. So it's, it's, I think it's easier for me because I don't run into people um, when I'm out with my dogs. 
Um, so, and I don't, I, you know, my, everybody lives around very friendly. I've never had anybody say anything. One of my, um, pit bulls, Anakin is a tripod and he actually has a quad car because his, he's got really bad arthritis and joint problems and he has troubles walking. So when we take him out, he's in his wheels. Um, so it'd be really interesting to, you know, if any were, anyone were to ever say anything like negative about a dog in a wheelchair, but I'm sure it happens. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I avoid people like us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And that's okay. That's nice. Right. That like you, you do get to be rural and you don't have to run into people. That's like, the, that's my ultimate dream. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to my property. See y'all later. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to just transition to talking about training. So I want to just give a shout out to you. So guys, I work with a lot of dogs who are adopted from Hobo Care Rescue, and you guys are really clear about um, how you want adopters to use positive reinforcement training, right? Like you're really clear with your adopters about that. And I respect you so much about that, but I want to kind of hear maybe like some of your personal like backstory with that. Like, did you do like different training like when you first had dogs in transition like what did that look like um definitely a long time ago um we i i look at pictures from when i started at the rescue years ago and i'll have you know the prong collars and and everything on those dogs and um now if i see a picture i'm like oh my gosh this is so embarrassing um that we had that don't show anybody that um so you know we learned i think just through our own um errors um, and then, um, a lot of it too, uh, is like with shot collars, um, we've had quite a few dogs over the years that, um, we had one dog that had been adopted out to somebody. Um, and then I found out they were using a shot collar on him and they returned him for behavior issues. I can't remember the exact behavior issues. And he was, um, not only did he have, you know, the physical burns on his neck from the shock collar, he, you know, ended up with some other um, emotional and, you know, scars as well. And I've seen it more than once. I've seen it where these dogs have come in and um, it just have these, you know, really bad. Um, at one time, this person surrendered their dog to us and for behavior issues. And he's standing there wearing the shock collar and I, I took it off of him and she's like, Oh, you can keep that if you need it. And I threw it in the trash in front of her. And I said, obviously it didn't do you any good, did it? And so, um, so yeah, I think it's just learning. Um, but it, 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 I get so worried with so many people, you know, Oh, you sit means sit. And I'm like, please do not. And so I've actually, we've actually changed it. And it's actually in our contract now that you can't use, um, shot collar, choke chain or prong collar on the dogs. Um, so yeah, cause I just, I've seen no good benefit of any of those. Yeah. Right. And I think that, I think boxers fall into this category too, right? Where trainers are like, you have this big, powerful dog, you have no other choice. And it's, it's so heartbreaking, right? Like when you see the negative fallout from all of that, right? Like, and like you're saying, right? Like the physical burns, but also like the emotional trauma that, very often we can't reverse, right? When it's done, it just exists. And it's, it's so heartbreaking, right? That like, and we know and love these like gentle giants, 
And even not the gentle ones, right? Like even the significant behavior cases, even the like rowdy ones, right? Like they still deserve to learn without pain. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I did. Um, uh, years ago, I was just doing some like basic obedience with, um, one of my deaf boxers and I was going to Longmont Humane and they were like, so insistent that I put a shot collar on her. And I, I think I was like, if you think the only way to train a deaf dog is with a shot collar, then you just don't know they're, um, but yeah, they, they love shot collars. They have them on like all their dogs. I had no idea. That's so heartbreaking. Cause Boulder Humane is so amazing. Right. Well, and it's, it's hard because I think there is a lot that Longmont does do, obviously that's good. And, um, you know, and, and they do try to do stuff with behavior and, and who knows, maybe it's changed by now. But at the time I was like, no, I'm like, I can't. And she would, I'm not putting a shot collar on my girl just cause she's deaf. Cause we do just fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think it takes, I think it takes people like literally standing up and advocating for their dogs and being like, there quite literally is another way. Right. Right. And like, we have to do that. We have to advocate for our dogs and speak up that like, oh my gosh, because she can't hear, she deserves this like electronic stimulation on her neck. Like no way. That's crazy. Right. So I, I, Michelle, I want to talk about in your experience and I'm really curious about your experience because I know that boxers play style is like, can be wild sometimes, but like in your experience, what are some specific like behaviors, play styles that you feel like get blown out of proportion because of like the package that it's coming out of, right? Pit bulls, American bulldogs, boxers alike. Right. Um, I think um, one thing it's for people that they have to get used to is the, the very vocal um, play and, you know, the using the pause. Um, I've definitely had people think that you know, especially the boxers, but any of them are, um, being aggressive when they're just playing. Um, and so I think that's one thing that's hard because people are going to think like, oh my goodness, this big powerful dog. And then it sounds like that, um, you know, can be scary. Um, but once you know, like this is, this is how they play, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that there's like a certain comfort in understanding what's happening. Right. And I think that just in general, I think as a community, we all like have a long way to go in understanding dog behavior, because when you understand some of those subtleties, right. That like, okay, maybe it sounds like they're growling and they're going to kill each other, but then you hear like some sneezing in there and then they take a break. Like, I think that if, as dog owners, we could all get more savvy with that. I feel like we could be more comfortable with some of like the exuberant play and, and the, the talkativeness and the loudness that, that comes with it. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to just talk about your household a little bit, if you're okay with that, because I, I, I think that this is important for people to understand and hear, right. That like seven dogs doesn't mean that everybody just gets, gets to be like be loose together. That's not what's happening. So, so do you do like crating and rotating? Like, can you give my listeners just a little bit more insight into like what managing a household of seven dogs looks like? Yeah, I, um, and it started when, um, I want to say how many years have we been doing this now? Probably five, 
or so. Um, it started with, so it's funny. So we um, generally in the rescue, um, if you have a female, we won't usually let you adopt another female and not everybody agrees with that. Um, and then I have, I had three females at the time and two of them, when they were between three and four stopped getting along, they've never gotten along since. Um, so that's how the separation started. Um, and we moved last year. So, um, last year we were in a house, uh, a smaller house and we just put, um, I use like the inside of my house looks like it's for the dogs. Um, I use the, what are supposed to be the outside, um, kennels, like the four by six ones. Yeah. Um, we use those a lot in our house. So at my other house, we had the hallway blocked off with one of those gates because when dogs don't like each other, baby gates don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so we had a couple of areas. So then I'd have like that, that indoor kennel. Um, and then a, a lot of times with a, or with a dog door outside. So then my dogs had their different areas where they could come inside and outside. Um, where we live now, we have actually have an upstairs and a downstairs. Um, and so the, um, one of my girls is stays downstairs. Um, and then I've got other, so three, I have three downstairs dogs and four upstairs dogs. <laughs> um, and, um, the, my girls who live downstairs is raspberry and zucchini and they're, <laughs> they're really good friends. They hang out all day. And then I've also got Babette, um, and she's separate during the day, um, when we're not home but she's allowed to be with them when we are home because you have to, she's, um, she's very bossy and, uh, can be a little bit much. And so you just have to watch her. And then upstairs I have peaches and Fiona and they're my two. Um, so see, I do have girls who get along. So they, <laughs> they, those two love each other. They've been together for a long time. Um, and then Anakin is one of my pit bulls and he has his own separate area. Um, when he started to have a lot of pain with his spondylosis and arthritis, um, it, it really became a regular thing where he'd go after the other dogs. Um, so, which is also how I knew he was starting to decline with the, the pain. Cause you know, when a dog acts out, it just isn't always, you know, behavior. It's sometimes medical. Um, and then my newest guy who I just adopted, who I named Mr. T, um, he's an old pit bull and he, he loves everybody, but he kind of stays by himself only cause it's kind of hectic with all of my dogs. So yeah, so I use the indoor kennel areas. Um, and then everybody, um, the two Anakin rotates with my girls as far as being able to go outside, but dude, it's, it's seriously, it's an art. It really is. Managing a household with that many dogs is an art. So Michelle, I just wanted to touch on something that you brought up. So um, the female, female thing. So statistically, it is much more likely for there to be aggression between female, female dogs. And the fights are statistically worse, right? right? So I know that there's a lot of feelings and opinions about that, but that is what the data reflects. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's wise, right? Like that you guys take that information and that data into account and in what you do in the rescue. Right. And, and we try to explain to people, you know, like, yes, it's not always going to happen. It, I understand. Um, but we want to make sure that this is a, um, a good successful placement for the dog's life. And, you know, if it's more likely that the females will start fighting, then 
you know, that's just not something we're willing to do. So some people get really upset about it. Um, you know, but, but we've also had, um, numerous dogs surrendered to us because of that exact same issue. So, um, it's like, you know, we, we do it based on even just our experience over the years and, you know, we just want to make, be successful there. So yeah. And once they start fighting, yeah, right. It's, it's a very challenging thing to deal with. And, you know, I have so much respect for you guys and what you do, but I love that you don't let the public push you around, right? Like, you know, you've been doing this for a really long time, right? right. And, and that's what really matters because you're not going to just adopt a dog out. So they get out for a little while, right? Like you are placing dogs with the best chance of that's where they live out the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Okay. So, um, I know you already do a lot of advocating, but I want you just to kind of share with the listeners, like some of the specific things you do to advocate, not only for boxers, but for blocky headed dogs too. show the positives of, of all of these dogs. Um, we definitely, um, have been, uh, I follow the replace Denver BSL um, we try to get in on that and make sure we're sharing any of that with the community. It's funny that we do, we'll get people who are, you know, such boxer, you know, and, oh, well, you know, that's a pit bull and I don't want that dog. I want a boxer. And I kind of think like, it, it just, it just kind of blows me away that they don't understand, um, you know, really the similarities in these, in these breeds and, um, you know, and, and it's sad that they were, they're not going to know the love of these dogs because they're just so set on what they hear in the media. Um, we've had dogs adopted out like mixes and, um, one girl, I felt so sad that for this dog, these people adopted her. And then their neighbors were like, I think that's a pit bull and she's going to eat your children. And they called us freaked out and brought the dog back and said, oh. And it was horrible. And I'm like, why? So I always tell people too, like when, when we get adopters, I'm like, I don't want a pit bull. I don't want a pit mix. And I'm always like, are you sure you want a boxer? Are you sure you want any bully breed? And you know, we don't know what's in these dogs. I can't, I'm not a psychic. I can't go and look and see where this dog's, you know, lineage came from. So, you know, if you're really that fearful of it, maybe get a pug. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, that like, sure. Like boxers don't fall under the BSL technically. Right. But as soon as we see a boxer mixed with something else, then voila, here they are. They fall under the quote unquote pit bull type dog. Right. And like, it's an injustice to all breeds of dogs. And I, and I don't think that people are as like, aware of the fact that like, sure, you're just a boxer person. Okay. Right. But your boxer breed is still being unnecessarily banned. Right. If they have any resemblance of looking like a, a, a quote unquote pit bull. Right? right. And, and it's so, it's so crazy to me, right? Like that distinction, people think like, oh no, I'm a boxer person. So I'm safe. Right. right. And like, I know this, there's so many breeds, but right. Just for example, because of, right. of your work, but um, I think what it really boils down to is individual dogs and having a better understanding of behavior. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, and if people could do that, what a magically successful world we could have. 
Exactly. Yeah. Right? But that's why we're having this conversation so that we can keep enlightening people, right? So that we can all get more aware because, you know, sure it's the pit bull type dog now, but you know, it's shifted throughout history, right? Like different right. breeds that were banned and, and no breed is safe, unfortunately. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to kind of wrap it up here. I want to hear from you. Okay. So like, what is one pit bull myth that like, for the love of God, you just want it to die already? That's so hard because I feel like there's so many dumb ones, but, um, I think the lockjaw is one that really, um, gets to me. Um, yeah. Cause it's just like, so wh what do you think happens? Like the dog just, bites and then can never let go and we have to like go in and like surgically remove the dog's jaw from you like I don't understand <laughs> have you seen a lot of cases of people going in the hospital with a dog hanging on and you know it's like where do you get this right like and I think that it's crazy because people buy into it but they don't even understand like how it would actually work if it were to be true right Right. Oh yeah. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. So ladies and gentlemen of the world, I know everyone listening already knows this, but yeah, I share that sentiment. Okay. So Michelle, if my listeners want to connect with you, support Hobo, what's the best place for them to find you? Um, on our website, www.hobocare.org. Um, and again, as we, we are a boxer rescue, um, but we do take in mixes, um, and we do end up with quite a few pit bulls. Um, I always like to say, because um, some people are very judgmental that we're a boxer rescue and we take in dogs that aren't boxers, like you're a horrible person for saving a dog. That is bizarre. <laughs> it is. And um, our, um, I always like to say what our former director, um, Marita, she passed away, unfortunately, in November. And she always said, you know, we're, we're hobo care boxer rescue, but the emphasis is on care and rescue. And when a dog needs you, a dog needs you. And uh, yeah. And so that's, that's what we try to, to live by. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys do, you're amazing, right? Like, um, uh, was it Nemo, the American bulldog? Did he didn't, his person foster failed, right? Yes, she did. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. But I love that. And I love just looking through all the adoptable dogs. Right. And I think it's fun, right? Like, Boxer, yeah. stuffy, American bulldog, right? Like it's fun to see the variety. Yeah. And yeah. like you said, right? If they need you, they need you. And it doesn't matter if they're breed. Right. Yeah. Yes. We've oh had some God. chihuahuas we've had. <laughs> so it's, you know, my sister currently has a chihuahua um, that she adopted from us because someone just came up and handed the dog to us one day. And um, my sister was like, yeah, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to adopt that little one. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for what you do in this world because you're making the world a better place. You really are. Oh, thank you. And you too. <laughs> yes. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at A Good Feeling Dog Training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com.